Donna. Hey, how's it going, Megan? I'm so excited. Oh, no. It's been forever. I know. Our last episode was months ago, and that's because holidays and life. Oh, yes. Holidays and life. Holidays and life. But we're back. We're together again. The dynamic yeah. duo. The bosom buddies. Bosom. Uh, I like that one. <laughs> Maybe my bosom's a little more than yours. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so today, oh, I think we should address the, uh, yeah, the gap. So we we did take some time off because, um, uh, and part of that time off, we're going to talk a little bit about in the episode today with, with you um, and what, why you needed some time off. I also will explain, uh, I was working on my company, so I needed a little time off to focus 100% on that. And now that that's up and running, um, yeah, we can get back to it. And, um, and we've decided to... Yep. You know, because we adore this form, this media, and each other, that um, we want to keep doing it, but we needed to revise. So we've decided to just do lives for the moment so that we don't have to do any editing. Can I get a round of applause? So the editing was really dragging us down as two ADHD people. With, with busy lives. So we've decided we will continue to do the episodes. We're going to really try to do every other week live, and then we will get them out immediately into the podcast uh, format. So please, uh, you know, make sure that you're on our mailing list or somehow connected with us to make sure you're getting the notification of when we're going live. But typically, it'll probably be on Fridays around this time. So yeah. Awesome. I'm excited. Thanks for that intro, Megan. I could yeah. you know, sip, sip my coffee and relax. <laughs> All right. So, uh, I mean, we're already happy because we've been on the phone for 15 minutes chatting with each other. But maybe um, the topic that we're talking about today is depression. And when we decided on this topic a couple weeks ago, Donna was like, I said, I need a title for the graphics. And immediately you said, the ugly beast within. Please tell me, where the hell did that come from? It just popped out of your mouth like a demon from hell. I know. Well, that's a really another really good, uh, um, you know, description of, <laughs> of depression. Um, you know, I don't know. It just came to me because it's that's how it feels. It feels like it's something within you. And it feels like an ugly, ugly beast that you're battling with a lot. And I think that it was so important for me. I think, you know, probably from the moment that we spoke first time, like over a year ago, I was like, depression should be one of the topics. Depression should be one of the topics. And now so for our listeners to understand, depression has been part of my life, probably my entire life, or at least as far as I can remember. And Megan, not necessarily. So I think, you know, for you, it was also not necessarily something that you wanted to cover or, or it didn't resonate with you, right? So you're like, well, great. We're going to listen to Donna talk for an hour again. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think, and, and I think you do understand that by now, um, if you didn't before, I'm not saying you didn't, but maybe you didn't, is that there are so many people suffering and I think it's so important to, to talk about it. Because it is, you know, when you suffer from depression, you feel alone, even if you're surrounded by thousands of friends and family and everyone cares about you and checks up on you and everything, you feel alone. You know, you feel like you're battling something within you and you don't want to drag people down and you don't want to be the party pooper and you don't want to, you know, you just don't want to inflict other people with your sadness or with your depression. And so that's, that kind of is where, you know, it came from. It just literally came from just probably it speaking from me. Um, but also, you know, I also always talk about it as I have a friend who calls it the, the black dog, you know, and, and we sometimes say like that you feel like this like black spiral, like a black tornado kind of like pulling you down. I think every single person has their own experience with it and probably has a nickname for it as well. Yeah, I have to agree that I, I don't think I've had chronic depression 
Uh, I have felt depressed. I, but I, my experience is I didn't notice it until afterwards. I didn't mm-hmm. understand what was going on. That's probably because I hadn't had, I hadn't had that experience uh, most of my life. So when I was in a period of depression, um, which for me was uh, around oh about six seven years ago, so mm-hmm. it's been a while. So I can. But it was only after like that fog lifted that I look back and go, wow, I think I was actually depressed, but I wouldn't, I didn't have the vocabulary. I didn't have the, it's kind of like, it's kind of like if you're in fog and there's this beautiful scenery around you, you have no idea the beautiful scenery is around you until the fog lifts. That's kind of the thing, right? So, but now that I can look back, um, so I, I do have a little bit of experience, but definitely not something where it's uh, something that's chronic or comes back again and again. Um, so I think, yeah, we'll definitely, like you said, I think everybody's experiences are slightly different, but I think maybe the first thing we could dive into is like, what were your signs like maybe you could describe how you first noticed the signs of depression and what were those signs and maybe third layer on top of that is do have those signs changed from when you were younger to when you're now older maybe you mm. could get in a little bit there yeah good questions and and you might have to remind me part of those but um <laughs> you know the the funny thing is that i I now know that I suffered from depression way before I actually noticed what it was. So I can tell you that the first time I probably experienced depression was when I was, um, I must have been, you know, kind of high school, beginning of high school-ish. Um, that was the first experience that I had with it. And it was kind of, it was ongoing, it was a while, but it was only when I realized that I am depressed uh, when I had my um, my firstborn, actually, and I had postpartum depression, I think it was probably because by then it was okay, right? In big quotation marks, because you almost kind of ex- uh, expect it. You know, they call it the baby blues, and then if it lasts a bit longer, they have a lot of, you know, notes and and little little signs and signals. But um, at the end of the day, it was you know, then that I realized, wow, I'm depressed and I really need help. Um, When I was a kid, when I was young, I had it. Then I had it again when I was probably kind of like 18, um, again when I was 20. So I remember very specific times in my life when I was battling with something, experiencing something and was depressed. And I was shutting out from, you know, from from my surrounding, whether it was family or friends. I was just melancholy, you know, I would, my, my, my sisters would always say, you're listening to slit your throat, slit your wrists music, um, it was what they called it, which is terrible, but, uh, you know, I was just listening to REM on repeat, I was listening to like, you know, Radiohead, and um, so it was, you know, it was um, a lot of that, a lot of um, self, I wouldn't say self-sabotage per se, but just kind of like thinking I'm just a failure and nothing, you know, nothing good is coming out of me and and my life is just terrible. And the funny thing is that, and I think a lot of people who suffer from depression can, can agree to that, it doesn't reflect on what your life is like, which makes it even harder. So you're looking at your life and you're like, I have the most incredible family, I have the best friends, and we have money and we have, you know, I have this and I have this and I have that. Why in the world am I depressed? And there's no answer because there isn't an answer because it's not something that is, most often it's not something that is external that is making you depressed. It's rather you having, you know, having depression or being um, prone to depression. And then there's an overwhelm on you, on your brain, on your body, on your soul, um, that actually triggers that, I believe. So could your could your family tell? Like you said, your sisters mentioned like the music you were listening to, but I I assume that sometimes people can't tell when someone is depressed, but maybe if they're close enough around you, were could they tell that you were uh, depressed at the time? No, no. When I was younger, definitely not. Uh, when I had my kids, 
I was already verbal about it. And so ish. Um, but what actually happened was, and I think that's when it really dawned on my mom specifically, who has suffered from depression on herself in the past. She might not, uh, she might not, she might disagree to it, but she was definitely depressed, uh, um, you know, a few decades back. Um, what happened was I was 30 years old. I had two tiny kids running around, um, and I turned 30 and my family surprised me and showed up in Switzerland, literally knocking on the door and they came, my sister came in first and she's like, get out of bed. What's going on? I was like, come nap with me. I'm not a napper. I think we talked about that in the sleep mm -hmm. episode. I hate naps. Um, and I was like, come and she's like, what are you talking about? And she saw the house and she's like, she knows that my mom is just outside the door. <laughs> <laughs> so she's like, let's clean up before mom comes in. But she didn't say it in those words because mom is there to surprise me. Long story short, my mom came in and she saw the mess that was my world at that moment. And that's when reality hit her, right? Mm -hmm. That's when she actually actively stopped saying like, have another kid, you know, where's the girl? And all the sentences that, you know, parents kind of tell you always when it comes to kids. But also she realized how, how bad the situation was and how hard, you know, how I wasn't myself, yeah. right? I wasn't like, yay, I was like, oh, kind of like tired and down and, and just looking and feeling miserable. Um, and often you see it with me, like when I smile, but only my, my mouth smiles and my eyes look sad. It's very, very easy to tell with my face because I can't fake my face. Um, those who know me understand because like my eyebrows are like huge <laughs> and everything is huge. And, um, so, so yeah, there, I don't know that they could tell. And even if my sisters could tell something was wrong when I was, when we were younger, I think they were much younger, you know, they're, they were much younger. So they couldn't really maybe, um, they either worded it and didn't, weren't taken seriously or couldn't even kind of like word it basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, uh, staying on the topic of your your family and friends, like during that time when when you did allow them to know that, or when they did figure it out, how was the support that you got from friends and family, and how how did that affect um, your experience with depression? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a it's a very uh, tricky situation i think for everyone involved my um my family were always you know my, my mom and my mom's side were always kind of um living this kind of life of of suck it up just you can do better than this right you you just you just have to continue living mm -hmm. right and so that definitely made it harder because i was like i'm fucking trying and it's not that easy, right? So it's not like, okay, just dismiss this, just put it aside for now because you have kids to take care of or you have a household to, to deal with or work or whatever it is. Um, so I remember at the time it was it was very aggravating not to be understood. Um, Friends-wise also, I think with friends, you know, you, you have different types of people and, and some people who battle with depression themselves deal with it in in a different way and so they kind of inflict that way on you i lately had a friend a really dear friend uh say to me you know i kind of outed myself and said to her like you know i i, I told you i was depressed and you disappeared you know you literally disappeared you didn't even check up on me afterwards after sitting at dinner at a restaurant and i couldn't stop crying i couldn't even eat right and so i took my food home afterwards i was like in a restaurant and couldn't eat and 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 they didn't contact me at all. One friend still to this day, um, not sure I can call her a friend anymore. But the other one was like, you know, I just thought that, you know, you're like me and you needed your space. Right. But I think that that something really, really important to say, and I, I keep trying to kind of word it on social media as well, is that you have to continue to check up on these people. You have to continue checking up on someone who tells you that they're depressed or that feels to you like they're depressed because you know, for me, I am not, I'm not suicidal, but some people are. And the fact that they all of a sudden don't have anyone 
makes it worse, you know? So I think that, that that's something really important, A, to ask someone, to ask, are you suicidal? That's a legitimate question when someone, you know, when you realize that someone is depressed, really important question, um, but also to just check up. So, you know, I feel like, you know, nowadays with my family, they're more aware of what's, you know, obviously after years and years of me kind of like on and off, um, mm -hmm they they know and they check up and my mom calls every single day and you know my sisters check up on me and you know and, and we we talk to each other kind of on and off but uh but i think it's i think it's as difficult for a family member or a friend who has someone who is dealing with depression to know what they're what to do mm -hmm. um because i think the uh, most people just want to give you a solution and there's mm. no solution, you know? Oh, yeah, they want to fix you. They want to fix you. And it's mm -hmm. like, there's a difference between empathy and sympathy. And I don't need anyone's sympathy at the, at, you know, when I'm feeling so down, there's sympathy. Oh, I also, I was sad at this time or I was depressed back then, or, or I did this, or, you know, my friend does that, not helpful. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe do this, maybe do that. I'm like, look guys, all I need is a hug, a shoulder, like someone to hear me out. It already feels so much better when I manage to bring myself to speak about what's going on is already light years away from, from where I was probably a week or two ago. Mm -hmm. So to understand that and to just kind of like listen and to, to be there for the person, I think is so important and it's so difficult for people to, to be empathetic. So, so, so for you to be specific, so when you're in a, a state of depression and probably people can tell a little bit because at least for me, I withdraw from mm -hmm. people, which is not normal because I'm usually a, a very social butterfly. Yeah. But for you, if I, so I'm asking you, if you're in a state of depression, what do you want people to say or do for you while you're in that state? Just say, hey, how's it going? You know, that's already enough. And I think that that's, but to keep checking up. But hey, how's it going? Does that not? How are you doing? Any are... question, any any okay. question that is like, I care about you. Are you okay? Even just, okay. are you okay? You know, I think that that's, that's a really, you know, again, it's, it's, I think for some people, it's just kind of like scary or, or difficult to, to know how to approach a person, right? Right. And that's why I'm asking, because as a person who know, you know, I have friends that have been depressed and I know that. And like you said, if you are a person who has not experienced that or not experienced it in such a chronic way that you um, that it's like, oh, that's what this is. It doesn't mm -hmm. come to your mind. Then, like you said, it, for me as a person who's on the receiving end, who would like to check up on that person, um, you know, none of us have degrees in psychology or <laughs> like very few of us do. So it's more like, yeah, what do I do? Do I like right now I have a, a friend who's going through burnout, which is not depression, but it can be linked. Like you can have these two things at the same time, but it's not necessarily tied together, but it's like, what do I do? Do I, you know, even if I offer, do I go over and just knock on our door and just say, hey, I'm just here to hang out with you? Or do I just every day like text her and say like, hey, you know, how, how are you doing today? So mm -hmm. is that the type of support that you would need? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, the only way I can explain it, I guess, is the way that I, because I know that what I do, I'm it's almost impossible for me to ask for help. I'm just that kind of person. I'm like, let me do this, right? I need to do things, whether it's my family, whether it's friends. I had a, a friend um, a few years back who called me one day and she just had to say the word depression, right? She just said, was like, she was like, I'm, I'm really struggling, I'm depressed. I literally at that moment canceled all of my calls, all of my meetings and everything. Mm -hmm. I went to the supermarket. I went and bought ingredients. I came to her home. I cooked for her while I was listening to, you know, for her and her family while I was listening to her talk. And then she ended up coming here for lunch and I ended up being with her the, the entire day, which was very difficult for me because, it, you know, I'm an empath. So I'm taking it all in like, you know, 
-hmm. like punches in the stomach. But at the same time, I think that like, you know, just knowing that someone is there for you, just knowing that someone thinks about you, cares about you, is there for you mm -hmm. without judgment, without trying to fix you, as we said, I think that's already super helpful. You know, I, I, when I, when I post about my depression, I often get a lot of people like writing me, texting me uh, um, privately going like, I also suffer from depression or I'm going through this and that. Mm -hmm. And I actually check up on them afterwards. Like I, I don't know them. I've never met them. But like just the other day, I, I think it was yesterday, I contacted someone who mentioned that she was, you know, suffering from postpartum depression. And I wanted to check up on her. And I texted her a few days ago. Then I texted again yesterday. I was like, I'm kind of worried. Like, is everything okay? You know? And she, her reply was like, you know, one, one of many words was like, it's funny how people who you hardly even know will check up on you while your friends don't. Well, because you have nothing to lose. This is a stranger. It's the same thing as telling someone your whole medical history that you know you're never going to see again. You know, it's like, <laughs> I, I feel it's like that same, I don't know, as an American, you can, you, you tell people things and like you're over here in Europe. They're like, I would never tell that to anybody, but yeah. you know what I mean? Like there's like this like openness that mm. you have with strangers. And that's why a lot of, you know, some people find going to therapy is even easier than telling your family about something because yeah. your family has all the history behind this. You have the fear of them judging you and you have less fear of a stranger judging you because they're not, they're not part of your life, you know, or they're not an integral part of your life. So I can totally see how, you know, I, people can put their trust or be more open with someone they don't know. I think that's like the suicide hotlines, right? I mean, mm -hmm. people call, they don't know who those people are. They just talk, right? Yeah. And I think that that's one of the reasons it works so well is because it's so anonymous and you can feel like you can tell them anything and it's true is that why, is that why catholic uh confessionals are like <laughs> i don't know you're not catholic but uh i have a I've feeling seen plenty why, of movies yeah yeah <laughs> but i feel like that's why the confessionals are blocked so that you can just talk into a, a void and uh know somebody's listening to you but not have to look at them in the eyes um, when you're doing it, but I think probably, what I but, 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 but the thing is that when you look at statistics, you'll see that, you know, and now we're talking about statistics. So we're talking about people who actually did do take their lives. You'll see that there were signals, social media nowadays, easiest way to check. Right. So nowadays it's easy, but even with people, loved ones who knew that they were suffering or, you know, notes or things or poems that they wrote i think there's always we i, I think as someone who is depressed we're always kind of like yelling for we feel like we're yelling for help even mm -hmm. if we're not saying a lot even if we're just like look i'm i can't do this today i'm not in the headspace i can't i'm overwhelmed i you know like too much going on like little things but i feel like what we feel is that we're screaming for help we're like I am drowning. Can someone please either either lightning, please strike me now, you know, take away the pain or can someone please help me? And we're going to do that without overwhelming people because we know we know, you know, like we know that if we say it to someone who didn't necessarily experience it or doesn't necessarily know what to do, we'll either get really annoyed at their answer. <laughs> right. Or we will be. They'll disappear. Mm -hmm. they'll disappear and a lot of people disappear and that's just the most heartbreaking part is like it's not contagious mm -hmm. it's not something that i can give you it's not you know i'm just kind of like clinging on to something in the hope that it will help me to come out and take a, a fresh breath of air while i feel like i'm drowning um that's where you know that's where it's so important a as a person who's suffering from depression to speak and to even speak louder so not necessarily louder in volume but louder in like say you're depressed say yeah. you're struggling don't just kind of try to put little nuances in your sentence but really just say it um yeah. and for others to really notice you know you know me right i mean you've been there this whole time for me but like you know me and you know that i'm like this bubbly, like talkative like i'll leave you two hour messages voice messages on whatsapp you know like 
all the time. And then all of a sudden I flatline, you know? And so it's easy. It's easy with a person like me. It's easy to tell all of a sudden I'm not social, you know, posting on social media. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden you don't hear from me at all. No stories on Instagram, nothing, you know, Mm -hmm. and then you can really tell like, okay, wow, something's happening there. She's either super busy with work, which should be, you know, should make her very happy or she's suffering and she's not happy whatsoever. I think that's a good point you brought up because we're both extroverts and it's because as an extra extrovert, you tend to put yourself out in the world a little bit more because we, we get energy by engaging with people, whether it's, whether it's virtual or in real life. But I think that it's a bit more of a struggle to clearly see for people who are introverts or people who don't have a larger social circle or they don't put themselves out publicly, whether that's, you know, in, like I said, in person or virtual to see that change in behavior. Right. Mm -hmm. So if they're not normally (laughs) doing those things, then it can also, um, be more difficult for friends and family to see that and, and, and vice versa. I think that you could, a person could really mask for a long time by not changing those behaviors, but still be very depressed. I'm assuming, you know what I mean? Like as a coping mechanism, maybe they even post more, but you know, like somehow um, for me, I was trying to think like, because we talked about like signs of depression. And I mentioned at the beginning of the episode that only afterwards that I could see that I was depressed. And what I could tell is that that withdrawnness, mm-hmm. the, I was always, a, or I am a person who likes to be involved in a lot of things. I like to do a lot of leadership roles and I care a lot about a lot of things. And what I noticed during this time, 2016, 2017, was that I really just stopped caring. I withdrew from extra things at work. Um, You know, like I would be involved in extra stuff at work. There's always extra stuff to do at work. You know, like that's the fun stuff, like planning a, a Christmas party or doing, you know what I mean? Those types of things that I just really enjoy doing. And I just found that that was the way that I look back and go, oh, I just really stopped caring to see people. And, um, you know, I didn't go out as much and I didn't make an effort with friends. And, and I think that that's really colored a lot of things, but it also led me to the health coaching, right? Because Mm -hmm. it was at the end of 2017 when I'm just like, I've got to change something because this has gone on long enough. And you know, and the other sign that I could tell something was wrong was the physical sign of my blood pressure and mm-hmm. uh, getting angry much more easily. Yeah. Like I am not a person that gets angry or if I do, it's gone like that. Um, I don't hold on to things and oh man, I could just, so these three things like withdrawing and then instant anger that lasted and yeah. <laughs> those were my signs. And so it's, um, I'm glad. And this is like, we've talked about in all of our episodes, knowing yourself better, understanding that because now I can see if I've experienced a brief period of depression. Now I know, okay, I know what this is. I'm withdrawing, um, you know, and I can kind of go, okay, why am I doing this is, oh, okay. I'm feeling overwhelmed and this is turning inward. And now I'm beating myself up about this. And, and maybe it's not like I would call clinical depression where I would need some kind of therapy, but it's definitely something where I'm in my head and my yeah. head is making it worse for myself. Yeah. But I'm, I'm curious, uh, on what types of treatments or therapies that you've experience throughout your life can you would you feel comfortable talking about that yeah yeah of course I mean I've I've so I've gone through um different ones I mean when I was younger probably until I gave birth I didn't go and and search for help at all you know when I was a teen I thought I was told I was a typical teen right pushing everyone away and not um not communicating and closing myself in the room um when I, so REM was my, was my, uh, um, 
therapy there, I guess. Um, but when uh, when I was older, you know, when I first had my first born, he, I went immediately the the medication route. Um, just because I kind of discovered it when I was in the States, they kind of prescribed something. And then I quickly realized I was pregnant again. Stupid move was not planned. Um, and then I had to stop. Right. So I, so I was on antidepressants for like a couple of weeks, I don't know, maybe a month and then, uh, and then stopped. And then when I then gave birth to my second born, the depression was deep. It was terrible. It was to a, a, a to a point where I, I mean, the only way I can explain it, and I think my husband and I will remember this day forever, you know, my husband walking into the house, finding all three of us crying, right? A baby, a toddler, not even toddler, and mommy. The baby was crying because it was tired and wanted to go to sleep. The toddler was crying because he spilled chocolate milk all over himself. And he's like, mommy, clean me up. I'm cold, I'm wet, you know? And mommy was crying because she didn't know what the fuck to do. Because I was mm. so... Like you're just in this fog, as you said, you're just in this like black hole and you're like, ah, everyone's crying around me. I'm just gonna cry with them. And so, and my husband was like, why didn't you put the baby down and change this guy quickly? And then, and then tend to the baby. And I was like, I could, my brain did not function. Like it does not function. At yeah. some point you're like, you know? Yeah. And so it was, it was really, really difficult. So. Then I actually started to, going to therapy and ended up, you know, ended up on, on antidepressants again. Um, but that was literally, I was fighting it. I was like, I don't want to be on antidepressants. I don't want to be on antidepressants. And that guy was just kind of like a drug pusher. And he finally got me on antidepressants. And it just made me numb. It didn't make me necessarily feel much, much better. Mm-hmm. The thing was at that time, that's actually when I realized that, of course, my my health, my lifestyle, my my eating habits, I'm not saying you can cure depression with a carrot, but I'm saying you can help yourself. So, you know, what I noticed and what I noticed until today is that, of course, there's the easy, you know, there's this place where, you know, emotional eating, right? You're you're depressed, you're miserable. And you're like, I cannot be bothered to give myself the self-love that I deserve, first of all. Second of all, who has the energy to sit, stand there now and make a fresh meal? So mm-hmm. I'm just going to eat popcorn and I'm just going to eat potato chips and I'm just going to eat frozen pizza. And I'm just going to, you know, so you get into that spiral, which makes things worse. Mm-hmm. So now you're even more depressed because every cell of your body is just malnourished and needs something. And also that food is just, you know, all the garbage that's in there is not actually contributing to your well-being, not mental and not anything. So I definitely noticed that when I get into the spiral and I get, I, you know, I will live on potato chips for, for some, some weeks sometimes. And then I realize it and I try to catch myself and kind of go like, all right, well, how do I help myself now? And that's one of the things that definitely is helpful for me is Again, if it's even if it's just to show myself that I love myself enough, respect myself enough to go and make myself a small meal or just make the better choice, um, that's already a big one. Um, but I was on medication for, for a while, on and off. I was on sleeping pills. I was on like everything um, and, and a few times in my life. So I think it was like three times in my life altogether that I was on anti- antidepressants. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do try my hardest now not to go that route. I don't have anything, you know, like I don't want people to be like, Donna said that, you know, she doesn't take antidepressants. I shouldn't and just stop and stuff like that. That's not smart at all. But I do b- see and believe that there is a way to support your body and, and to know, as you said, you know, to know when it's kind of coming and to catch mm-hmm. it and to give yourself grace. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really the most important part. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I, you, as you now you have your functional medicine certification. So congratulations for getting that last, uh, fall. And one of the things that stood out to me when, um, there was a person describing how functional medicine sits in with what's called conventional medicine, traditional medicine, where, Mm -hmm 
traditional medicine, Western medicine, you know, they want you to take a pill, whether it's for your blood pressure, for your diabetes, for your depression, uh, instead of kind of treating the root cause, which is where functional medicine kind of tries to, you know, why do you have those conditions? So let's treat those. And one of the things I heard in that a great way to explain this was that functional medicine doesn't say you shouldn't have pharmaceuticals. It's like, if you have high blood pressure, you need to get on a blood pressure medication stat (laughs) because you could die. (laughs) But then let's figure out where we can tackle that so we can get you off the blood pressure medication by, you know, lifestyle changes. So the way I would kind of translate that into depression would be, you know, if you need to, because you're suicidal or because you just can't get out of bed in the morning and, you know, for whatever reason, if you need to take a a pharmaceutical to live your life, even if it's not a full and robust life, but you just need to live your life to get out of bed, I think taking a pharmaceutical for that purpose is good. And then, like you said, working with a therapist, working with someone on, okay, getting more exercise, which is going to help you with, you know, your endorphins, the dopamine, and, you know, trying to kickstart your normal processes that can help battle those chemicals that are going on in your brain, because it is a chemical, you know, partly, I would say partly, I'm not a doctor, I don't know everything, but I'm what I've heard, you know, Mm -hmm. that this is sometimes chemically related or, and to me, the body should be able to heal itself, but it doesn't mean it can heal itself from such Alone. a far distance. Yeah. You really kind yeah. of need to get it closer because if you can't get out of bed, there's no way you can go outside for a walk for 30 minutes. So no. pop the pill, get your ass out of bed and go for a walk because that's going to help you in the long run. And then you can some point get off the antidepressants if you don't want to be on them or if they don't help you anymore. But I don't know. Does that... I feel like that's yeah. kind of the whole point with functional medicine and and how it would we would you know how that would be attacked from that rate that or the therapy that I would if I was in that position I think that's the approach I would like to take is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Look, I mean the the not all depression needs medication um in my opinion because as you said, you know, if you're able to function if you're really able to function in some level and you're feeling like okay, I can do this. I just need a little bit of coaching, a little bit of motivation, a little bit of getting it off my chest and things like that often enough. And, and especially with the therapies nowadays, um, it's an, it's for some people, it's enough for some people it isn't. And the reason being is that, as you said, you know, there is an imbalance. It could be a brain chemically imbalanced. It could be just the body, you know, like your body is inflamed. It's just your body yelling for help. It is literally what it is. It's the same as someone complaining of a neck inflammation or, or I don't know, whatever it may be, right? It's your body asking for help. And I think that when we understand it that way, when we don't, we don't say that your, your body or your brain is your enemy, you know, which is very easy to think when you're feeling sick, whether it's a chronic illness, uh, a mental chronic illness or a physical one, very easy to say my body is my enemy. But when you understand that it's your body trying to communicate, when you understand that there is an imbalance and that you need to, you need help with, you know, I would definitely agree, you know, combining conventional and uh, functional medicine, because I think, and that's, that's kind of where it's lacking at the moment is the conventional medicine doesn't necessarily understand or agree with or understand really functional medicine. Whereas functional medicine is like, we can work together hand in hand, like hippies, you know, like, let's just do this together. Um, and, functional, and conventional medicine is like, no, you're the devil. So a lot, well, not everyone, but like a lot of that is happening. And I see that so much. Um, but yes, a combination is usually the most helpful. And that's why it's there. You know, there's, there's the things that you can do in order to help yourself here, you know, with what you're eating, what you're taking in terms of supplements, like the, the hours of sunlight that you're getting, you know, when Megan said, you know, do some exercise, it can literally just be a walk, just mm-hmm. a walk. No one is expecting you to be depressed in bed, you know, with seven covers on you and then go like, I should go and exercise and go three hours to the gym. No, right. It's even probably going to make things worse. It's going to put more stress on your body than, than needed at the moment. 
but taking a walk outside in the sun, rain, whatever, um, just getting something, even standing, you know, being in your living room, doing a little bit of yoga or breathing exercises. You know, so there are so many things that you can help yourself with um, that are not as overwhelming, right? As just kind of like going and lifting weights for three hours, um, but they're also not, and you can do them anywhere. Right? You can yeah. do breathing exercises anywhere. You can do very simple things like you're, you're feeling overwhelmed to literally just look up, kind of like lift your head up and, and kind of look up with your eyes upwards um, mm -hmm. has been found centuries ago already to be really calming and helpful, especially when you're like having an anxiety attack or something like that, mm -hmm. you know? So there are different things, simple breathing exercises, exercises, simple like, just simple, really, really simple things that can help you in the moment and that can help you in the long run. Um, and then again, with a combination of both, um, yeah. I think that's that's probably the best scenario for most people. Um, yeah. If you're able to see the light without the medication, go for it. If you can't, that's okay. And, and it's okay. Yeah. And it's okay to also be on that medication for life if that's where you need to be, if you can't find the root cause, if you can't find that balance for yourself. Um, I personally just know I've, I've been on those medications before, different ones. Um, and I just know myself and I know that I, I don't feel like myself when mm -hmm. I'm on them. Yeah. So for me, that's kind of not ideal. And, and yeah, I'm, I would say I'm an introvert extrovert. Cause like, you know, some days I just want to not leave the bed and some days I'm like, I won't stop talking just like, no. Yeah. Sure. Um, I think we, when we were talking about this episode, I, uh, trying to encourage you to have some structure because you're, you're the free flower. <laughs> and I was like, for this episode, I felt like we needed to have some structure. And one of the things, uh, the story I told you, um, which I recently saw on TikTok, if you're not, if you don't know about TikTok, um, well, you know, I don't. <laughs> you're under, <laughs> under a rock, but you know, it's, it's short form video. And, um, and anyway, on TikTok, there is this uh, TikToker, I guess you would call them. And call he them. is, he is a uh, personal trainer who has experienced depression. So he actually talks a lot about, um, and kind of debunks a lot of what people are saying on TikTok to kind of bring a little bit of science to the background and to bring a little bit of perspective from a personal trainer's perspective, et cetera. And uh, yeah, he talked about depression, about how sometimes um, in that case, in the, the circumstances he's talking about is a personal trainer telling someone, we'll just get to the gym, go to the gym, right? And that person who's depressed is like, I can't even get out of bed, right? Yeah. And, uh, and then as a person who's, only experienced depression, I would say, in my adult life and not very long. Uh, for the listeners out there who have never experienced depression, this story was, or this analogy was something that was, I thought, really great to understand mm -hmm. was that imagine everyone uh, starts their day with 10 spoons of energy, right? And if you don't have depression or if you're not currently depressed, it might take you a spoon to get up in the morning, get around, take your shower, go to work, maybe another spoon to get through work, and maybe another spoon in the evening to like kind of do dinner and kind of wrap it up. But, you know, three to four spoons per day of energy that it actually takes you because, you know, you have more energy at the end of the day, or, you know, even if you feel tired, but the point is, is that you've gotten through your day, and you could still do something if you needed to. And, the analogy is then a person with depression, it might take all 10 spoons of energy just to get out of bed in the morning, right? Yes. Just to take the covers off, put the feet on the ground and stand up might take all the energy that that person has because either A, they don't have as much energy or B, because it's just the, the exertion, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a great way for people who don't have it to kind of go, oh, yeah. So even as we are saying, just go for a walk, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's all like, you, it's, it's always easy to say, go for a walk. Even when I, I, you know, I'm, I'm laying on the couch and I just don't feel like doing anything. I wouldn't even say I'm depressed. I still don't have the motivation yeah. to go out and go for a walk. So that's very true. That's true. And, and I think that that's where it gets really, really tricky is because 
you know, we've all heard of uh, uh, cabin fever, right? I mean, it's it's literally you can go crazy just by being indoors. I go crazy because I hibernate at winter. I don't leave the house. Um, but, you know, it's it's really important because part of that, and this is why I said maybe going to the gym is not the best thing for you if you can hardly get out of bed. But just taking that walk outside will make a difference. And it, and it's and it's doable. I know that everyone can do it. I know that everyone who is suffering right now and is listening to me can decide to go out for a walk. I'm not saying every single day. I'm not saying like, you know, ever after every single meal. I'm just saying like, go get some fresh air because that fresh air and that leaving that surrounding that is that is enclosing you while you're depressed, you know, and, and then it just gets kind of worse because you're in that same space, you're in that same energy all the time. Um, it's it's sometimes very helpful to just go yeah. get the mail, start with going downstairs to get the mail, start with going, maybe you didn't start the car for like over a week. And you know, that's apparently concerning. I don't know why. Um, so go start the car, go drive around the block. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you, you, you want to break that pattern for yourself to see that it's doable and for yourself to see like, I'm actually even, even feeling 1% better. That's good. You know, that's something that you want to do. But I, I, I agree. And I, but I think that that's also where friends and family support needs to also step in to say, yes. okay, let's go for a not feeling like it, but let's just put your shoes on and let's just go around the block. And I feel like for me, that's the type of support that helps me out the most is that external accountability that somebody's telling me, let's just go do this. Because as soon as I have somebody else, just, just the idea of it and that they're going to go with me, this is helpful. So maybe that, you know, reaching back to the beginning of the episode, when we talked about like what, what you should say to a person or what you should do for your friends or your family that have depression, maybe that's the one thing you can do is just say like, I'm here for you. Let's take a walk around the block. I mean, come on, that's probably the easiest thing that you could do. And you trick them into uh, getting outside the house. <laughs> and hopefully talking a little bit. Yeah. Hopefully talking a little bit. But even if they don't talk, it's like, fine. You're that's just okay. still helping yeah. them get out of the house. Um, yeah. yeah. I think it's also important to know who it is that you're dealing with. I think, you know, for me, for example, you know me, I love hosting right? I love having people here. I'm like, don't bring anything. Don't do anything. Come over. If it's just for coffee or if it's for a whole meal, I'm happy. Now when I'm depressed, obviously my family doesn't even get a cooked meal. So when I, you know, when I have a friend who says, I'm just going to drop by for a coffee and all I need to do is make them coffee. It already somehow makes me feel better because I'm a, I'm a giver and I'm like a caregiver. And, and so for me, it just feels good to be me if that makes sense. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I had friends over like a friend and her kids over the other day, the kids were playing and having fun and we were just playing card games and talking and, and sipping on coffee. And that was perfect for me because I was like, and, and we hardly talked about depression. We did it a little bit, but like we talked a little bit about that, but then we were just being us. And it was such a nice and refreshing thing to do because I, think about depression all the time. I talk about it, you know, quite often. I even if I don't talk about it, the dialogue is in my head all the time. Like I'm writing articles that are never going to see the light of day, but I'm writing like TED Talks mm -hmm. in my head on a daily basis. <laughs> and um and I had that way of kind of like, you know, <clears throat> now I can talk, I can say things, I can I can focus on other things as well, which is also nice. So, you know, the fact that someone is depressed doesn't necessarily mean that they want to talk about that specifically. Uh, mm -hmm. Sometimes, you know, we feel like if I just start talking about this now, I'll just burst, burst out crying. And I don't feel like crying right now. Like I want to do something right. a little bit better with my time and with my time with you. And so you don't have to push, you know, you just have to be there, just be there, literally be there for the person. Mm -hmm. I think that's already such a huge help. And, and inviting them for a coffee, going out for coffee, coming over for coffee. Doesn't have to be coffee, by the way. <laughs> it could be another drink. <laughs> um, but just kind of being together, knowing that someone is there who cares about you makes a humongous difference. And, you know, uh, uh, we have a, oh, is that your mommy? Shane? Sure. Yeah. Oh, hi, mom. Um, she wrote something really important. I'm like, that last name sounds familiar. Um, 
you know, she wrote something really important. There's one who is always very near, hears every word, even when it's not spoken, knows your inner self better than you know yourself and can replace and despair with, uh, with rest, peace and genuine joy. You just have to ask. Just so true. I mean, like this, it's just something that like, you know, you kind of know when someone's something's off with a friend, often you think they're mad at you. Most often they're not mad at you. And if they are, you kind of want to know, you know, like if someone's mad at you, just kind of mm -hmm. like confront them and be like, are you mad at me? Is everything okay? It's so simple to just ask that question. It's so simple to, you know, mm -hmm. have someone try to open up. And if they're like, no, you know, like you, talk to me, you can talk to me, or we can just sit there in silence, or we can cry together, like just offer yourself as a human that is sitting on the other side of the table. And I think they're, you know, the person who is suffering and who is dealing with the depression can be, um, can just know that there's someone there for them. Just yeah. that knowledge is already enough sometimes. You know, it doesn't mean that you need to now find a therapist for them <laughs> yeah. or be their therapist. So with a little bit of time left, so I would say, let's say maybe five minutes on this last question and to kind of wrap up our discussion, hmm. um, going out from ourselves to society. So how do you believe that society currently views and addresses depression as a mental health issue? Like, what do you have? Do you have some thoughts on that? So many, so many thoughts. Um, Five minutes, Donna. I think it's demonized. <laughs> I think it's, thank you. I think it's demonized and I think it's not understood. And I think it's a huge problem. I think that a lot of us um, who are suffering from depression are, especially nowadays with social media, we only want to show the beautiful side. I saw, I saw a perfect picture that can, everyone can understand. There was a picture of a mirror and you see an apple, right? Mm -hmm. And it's looking in the mirror with a perfect side and the back is bitten off. Mm -hmm. And that's social media for you, right? Everyone wants to show the beauty. No one's showing the hurt side. No one's showing the bitten off side. And I think that's so dangerous. A lot of kids are, and, and adults are being, you know, are, are being affected by that. And it's not okay. It's not okay not to show that vulnerability because that's just, you know, that's not, it's making us into robots. Um, mm -hmm. And it's making us feel like it's not okay when we're feeling anything but perfect or looking anything but perfect because look at everyone else. But I can tell you that a lot of everyone else are suffering from something, something else, right? So yeah. um, I, there's, there's, there's too much for me to say about yeah. that. I think that it's just, I think it's our job as people who suffer from depression or people who help people who suffer from depression to be open and, and vulnerable. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that other people need to, or people who don't suffer from it and don't understand it, need to educate themselves a little bit on it. Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah, for me, I I don't I don't watch a lot of television, but I do, and I am a diehard RuPaul Drag Race fan. Um, I, love I just I, I just love, love RuPaul, um, and. It, for those people who are like just turned off by the idea of men dressing up as women, um, like put that First aside. Why they're the best? I mean, really. <laughs> I know, but it's not for everybody. But what uh, what I wanted to say about it is is that m most of the people who are on Drag Race are gay or in the LGBT community, which of course depression and suicide rates are higher in that community. And, and one of the things that's for me, because I don't, I don't have very many people in my life in that situation who are LGBT. I just don't, I don't mm -hmm. know why I, I, I have a few people that I know that I would be able to talk to about that, like to understand their experiences, but I have not experienced. That's not something I can say that is in my, uh, in my experiences in my life. But what I think is interesting is, okay, it's a reality show. Okay, there's producers encouraging these people, the people to talk about a specific topic. Of course, I, I know this. You know this because it's got to be good TV. But what comes out of this, and it's typically when the, um, the people are getting ready for, you know, putting on the drag makeup, and then they have conversations about their childhood, about coming out, about depression, about being suicidal. And I think it's probably one of because I can't say because I don't know all TV. One of the few places 
on prime television where people are being truly authentic and talking about their experience. I mean, these are real tears. These are not fake mm -hmm. tears. It may be a setup to say, hey, you guys, can you have a conversation about this? But right. when they start actually talking about it, you can see things just crumbling inside and that they are just crying and, and expressing this to other people in the room who have gone through the same thing. And it's one of the reasons I love that show so much is because for all of the makeup and for all of the deception, I'm using air quotes for the podcast, yeah. uh, deception, because you're, you're really transforming yourself to look like something completely different. But yeah. at the root of everything, RuPaul always says that drag shows you your true self. Like, it, you yeah. know, you find yourself in drag, which is kind of his thing. But it's true. I mean, for these people, that is the way that they have been able to express yeah. and to deal with this very, a lot of depression. And so I, I feel like society in that one small, very small portion of society is starting to kind of break that out to say, listen, here's, this is how my experience was. But I think that it's still very niched into that LGBT community where they're, they're all very open about it now because mm -hmm. they've, most of them have experienced it. But if you're talking about, uh, you know, this, the part of society who doesn't watch that, or they don't believe that people can be depressed. I mean, there's this whole swath of the rest of society. Who's like, like, like you said, like, just get over it. Right. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just kind of like, well, you get over it. Yeah. I mean, like, and, and that's, that's the sad thing. You know, what you said really resonated with me. I remember, and this should have signaled my depression back then, but like, I remember when I was uh, a teen or like a, let's say a young adult or like going into young adulthood, um, I always wanted to tattoo or, or write on the wall, on my wall, uh, a sentence from one of the, one uh, song from uh, Queen. Uh, where they say, inside my heart is breaking, my makeup may be flaking, but my smile still still stays on, right? Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like, for me, it was like, you always have to hide behind that smile. You always have to kind of like pretend, although you're crumbling from the inside, you have to pretend because the world has to see you smile. And mm -hmm. I think that that's kind of like, that's that's where it is, is like you you want to smile. We all want to smile. We all want to feel happy. No one likes to be depressed. No one likes to be down. No one likes to like not be able to get out of bed. But some of us are suffering and some of us need that understanding and that love and that support so that we can finally get over it and really like get out of bed and do what we need to do or do what we want to do. And just one last snippet that I really hope that those who do suffer from, from depression um, can take on is, do, you know, don't beat yourself up. Like if you're, even if you're sitting at home, like watching Netflix day in and day out for a month, it's probably what you need at that moment. I mean, like, yes, of course you want to try and get out and walk and whatever we talked about and, you know, like make a better meal for yourself because your body's going to thank you and your brain is going to thank you and your soul is going to thank you. But at the end of the day, like, we just need to go over that, you know, like go over that hurdle. We need mm -hmm. to kind of like be sad. And, and, but what we need to also do is confront our emotions and our feelings head on. Mm -hmm. So instead of hiding behind like the food, if it's emotional eating or the TV, if it's like just binge watching things to just avoid those thoughts and those feelings, um, we just really need to sometimes go like, you know, what the hell is going on? Why am I feeling this way? What is happening? Um, that confrontation is sometimes uh, uh, more helpful than you'll ever know. Like it's just something that will really bring you towards uh, healing in that moment or in that kind of like t time um, a little bit faster so that you can actually come outside, you know, come, come out the other end uh, with that smile. And hopefully it's a genuine one this time. Yeah. Well, this has been amazing and awesome. We kept an hour. I know we're, I mean, we could go for another hour, I'm assuming, but otherwise we're just tangenting too much. Um, but I think this is, <laughs> I think we'll, wrap it up here for today. And I just want to say thank you very much for sharing your experiences with us and to be uh, very honest and open. And I'm assuming 
uh, speaking for you, that if anybody has <laughs> any questions or wants to talk with you, that you are available for that. Is that safe to say? A hundred percent. Anyone who needs to talk, anyone who's feeling lost or drowning in their own, you know, mess of a life, I get it. And I'm happy to talk. And, mm -hmm. um, and you're not alone. And that's really important to, to know. Yeah. So like we said at the top of the hour, we hope to see you at our next live. And if you have any topics that you want us to cover, feel free to drop them to us in any of the spots that you know where we are. <laughs> I'm not going to list them all, but uh, we would love to know what you guys want us to talk about. And, you know, maybe we could bring a guest on. We could do a little bit more interaction here. And we'd love to uh, see, see you guys in the chat if you have some questions. Having you guys engage with us live is amazing and awesome. And, yeah, that's that's I think that's all I want to say. I'm not going to go on and on about that. But um, thanks, Donna, again. And I guess we'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.